are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Heaven wants your dreams to come to 
established on the planet. That was deep. Okay, all right, let me think about that for a second. How many of you guys know the spirit God was inside of us? How many looked at your neighbor and said, you were son, you were daughter? <laughs> These boys think of that. You were daughter. How many of you guys know, if you are a son of God, daughter of God, and he lives inside of you, that he actually plants his desires inside you? How many of you guys are looking at your life and say, Lord, I really want to be a businessman, but I know you're calling me to China to be a missionary. And you're like, oh, I will let you will, God. Right? And you're like, oh, I don't know if that's not God's will. Well, here's the bottom line. The Lord doesn't leave his sons and daughters dragging their feet. He actually plants his desires on the inside because he's a good father. And then you go out to want to do what God's put inside your heart. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that good? I didn't marry Leslie because it was God's will for my life. I have to marry Leslie because the Lord showed me I have to marry you. I actually talked to a guy one time. It was bitter at God, bitter at life, bitter at everything because I married my wife out of obedience. <laughs> and it hasn't worked out. It's been terrible. It's all God's fault. And I'm like, no, sir, it's your fault. He was one of the maddest guys I've ever met in my life. So listen, I didn't marry my wife because of obedience. Listen, I married my wife because I was in love. And, I, and we love each other, and I sought the Lord, and the people around us were like, this is awesome. The parents, yes, amen, yes, praise God. Bless the Lord, brother. Can I mess with you guys tonight a little bit? Yeah. All right, is it okay? Okay. Tonight, listen, I'm going to do a couple different things. First, I want, to, uh, I want us to go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. And I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about the kingdom of God. And then we're going to end possibly in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I love the Bible. I read it every day. It's the word of God. It speaks to me constantly. I eat it constantly because I want Jesus inside me. The Bible says that Jesus is the word of God. Amen? Amen. But how many of you guys know when God poured out the Trinity to Revelation to us, He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The main time we read him like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. But he's actually the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible is, is, is the Word, but the Holy Spirit is here to show us life and show us what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. He lives on the inside of you. He's your friend. Amen. So the kingdom of God is what Jesus came to preach. I want to tell you just a couple stories here. And um, how many of you guys love stories? How many of you guys know that God is still moving on the earth just like he did when he was on the earth? Through believers that are walking with him and carrying his presence. Look at your other neighbor and say, there is no junior Holy Spirit. Look at your other neighbor and say, there is no junior Holy Spirit. What's that mean? Do you guys know that the same spirit that was on Billy Graham is on your life? The same spirit that's on your pastor's is on you. It's not like I got a super sudden version because I'm an adult and you get a kid's version because you're a kid. The same Holy Spirit is on you and is on me. And the same Spirit is not just in you. He's in you for you, but He's on you for the person next to you. I want to think about that for a second. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus said this. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom, everybody say kingdom, kingdom. of heaven is at hand, right in front of you. Why? Jesus is the king of the kingdom. He was standing in front of them. He's saying the kingdom of God is right here. What is he declaring? He's saying a whole new world and realm of thinking is standing in front of you. It's the kingdom of the kingdom. When Jesus left the earth and he sent his spirit, what did he say in Acts chapter 1? He said, he said, uh, for 40 days he spoke to them about the kingdom of God after he rose from the dead. Then he said, don't wait until you get the Holy Spirit. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom is in the spirit and the spirit is in the kingdom. It's a realm of life. Kingdom means realm of life. They say realm. It's like an atmosphere. How many of you guys know an atmosphere without Jesus is not the kingdom of God? But an atmosphere with Jesus is the kingdom of God. How many of you guys know you carry an atmosphere? Have you ever walked up to somebody and all of a sudden you just got really afraid? And you're like, oh, what is that? Have you ever walked up to somebody and you just got like, really? Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. How many of you guys remember the Old Testament, right? 
We can kind of get a little theological on it. I got to leave you guys to do that. How many of you guys remember the Old Testament? God says, you know, to Moses, build an ark of the covenant, you know, and it's a box and he's laid with gold and it was perfect, right? And then he's, they built a temple, you know, and Solomon builds a temple and put the, temple, the ark of the covenant inside the Holy of Holies and and they made a sacrifice and they sprinkled it with blood and then the presence of God came down. And when the presence of God came down, the glory filled the temple so much that the priests couldn't even do their work. And God was amongst them. That was the goal of heaven, was for God to be with his people. How many of you guys know God didn't put a box anymore? Why? What happened? When Jesus died on the cross, he was on Golgotha's hill. An altar was made where blood was spilt poured out for you and me, sprinkling the mercy seat of heaven once and for all. The Bible says in the book of John and Luke, I can't remember one of it, says that the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the most holy, the, the, the outer parts of the Holy of Holies, the veil, which was around six to eight inches thick, scholars say, it tore from top to bottom by itself. Jesus is the one that we're here to follow. So I'm going to lift him up tonight. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you're ready. I just don't know. I don't know. Jana, listen. It's about to happen. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What was he saying? There's a whole new way of living coming. This whole way of living here in Rome and all this, you know, life that's happening right here, there's a whole new way of living coming. The good news of the kingdom. There is goodness coming. Gospel of the kingdom and healing. Everybody say healing. Healing. All kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Everybody say all. All. You know what's amazing? You know what that word all means in the Greek? Ready for a deep word today? It means all. You're welcome. <laughs> Verse 24. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptic, and paralytics, and he healed them. That's amazing. Wow. Good, good idea, Jesus. Let's heal sick people. That's what he did. Do you know that the commission of Jesus has not changed? The commission is to not to go out and get as many people into your church as possible. Do you know that if we went out and we were the church, you wouldn't have enough room for people in the church? Because Jesus is no longer on the earth, right? Is he preaching church? Here is he here? Is he no longer on the earth? I thought Jesus was everywhere. No. Sorry. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. But guess who's here on the earth? Holy Spirit. That's right. So he's looking for people who can come live inside of People that are yielded to his presence to release what he looked like on the earth to happen again. Never has there been a time needed more for young people like you to be surrendered to Jesus Christ and his commission on the planet to bring fire to the earth that burns away hopelessness and sickness and disease. So he goes about healing all this fame went out everywhere. This is the greatest church growth plan in the planet. If we could get this, churches would be booming. He just went out healing everybody. Well, how come today in our Bible schools, we don't even learn how to heal people anymore. We just learn theology. I'm sorry, did you just say that? You know, when Jesus looked at his disciples, he looked at them, he said, when he preached, he said this, if anybody's thirsty,
I mess with you a little bit, guys? Am I against grace? Absolutely not. I have one. But here's the deal, alright? Thinking and drinking are two different things. Drinking looks like, okay, I'm going to sleep. John 10, 10. 
comes to still be on the struggle. I think we might have life and have it more abundantly. So let's just establish this. Jesus said that. So that means cancer? Where's cancer from? The devil. People be like, God's making me sick to treat me patients. <laughs> Stop believing lies. Many times we create heresy beliefs to prop up our lack of power. When we don't understand, don't make bad beliefs up. When you said trust the word, trust what Jesus said. Well, God's teaching me patience through this, through this, you know, through this degenerative back thing I got going on. Well, listen, God can use anything, but he didn't give it to you. He's not the author of it. What is Jesus the healer? Amen. So she's talking to Hosanna. The teacher is, Hosanna looks at her, because Hosanna knows God's will now. You guys don't even know God's will. Will of God is really easy. Are you ready for this? Like, game over right here. Here it is. Ready? Jesus said, Hey guys, this is how you should pray. In John 6, I mean Matthew 6. Our Father, who's in heaven. So right there, he establishes his identity, right? He's a good dad. He's not mean and abusive and tired. He's a loving Father. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. No one like you. Holy. Your kingdom. It says, Hosanna! No, that's not the song. It's 
She hasn't done anything yet. She's just a daughter. Carrying the same kingdom that Jesus gave. Isn't that amazing? Slap your neighbor and say there is no junior Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Alright. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus Christ is the same. Does anybody know it? Yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So you, listen, y'all about to get dangerous. I'm telling you, if you grab hold of this, it's about to get going in New Jersey and New York. Let's go. Listen, I travel all over the world doing this. I've got so many stories that could blow your mind. I'm just trying to lay a foundation. So I want everybody to walk understanding of not just who he is, but who he is inside of you. Make sure you're like, God, be glorified, be worthy, you're amazing, you're so awesome. And he's like, yes, thank you, you're amazing. And God looks at you, he says, you're amazing, you're awesome, you're incredible. You're like, no, Lord, nothing. <laughs> to you, you're And um, you know, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, right? 
And he flows through what's called the gifts of the Spirit. It's between gifts and fruit. Fruit of the Spirit takes time to develop in your life. It's character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, patience, etc. Throw away. But the gifts of the Spirit are when God speaks something to you immediately. The gift of the Spirit is like a word of knowledge, where all of a sudden I have supernatural knowledge about somebody's life. It's either it's factual or true, right? So we move this with the Holy Spirit. So in our youth service, we empower. 13-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 18-year-olds to go up on stage, take the microphone, and release words of knowledge, which are thoughts the Holy Spirit's giving them about who he's healing in the room. So we have some kids go up on stage and they release words of knowledge for dyslexia. And we said, is there anybody here battling dyslexia? And one girl, a few girls, actually, a few kids raise their hand. So I got to pray for this one girl. And I, I, I just put my hand on her, on her shoulder, and I just said, Father, thank you that you're healing dyslexia on my friend. In Jesus' name, we just pull it down. God, we just thank you that you did not create real dyslexia. We just release healing over in Jesus' name. Okay, let's check it out. So I got a Bible out. I said, go ahead and read. And try something out you couldn't do before. So she begins to read, and all of a sudden bursts out in tears. She starts crying. And I'm like, what happened? And she said, I've never in my life been able to read like that before. She was so shocked. And I said, wow, that's, that's awesome. Do you come to Bethel often? She goes, no, it's my first time here. I'm like, what church do you go to? She told me the church she goes to. They don't believe in healing. What's amazing is that it didn't stop God who is the healer. She got healed. What's amazing? Isn't that cool? Come on, man. That's amazing. Got healed with dyslexia.
By December, he goes back to the doctor. This was in November, October, November. By December, he goes back to the doctor. The doctor said, I don't know what happened, but you don't need your meds anymore. You do not have autism anymore. <laughs> young man couldn't even talk to people. In March, I put him on stage in front of a thousand people, and he shares his testimony. It's on TV at Bethel how he got set free from autism and how the Lord set him free from pornography. And then he turns to the crowd and says, If that's any of you here, God will set you free too. Stand up. This is this 13, 14 year old kid preaching. Bolder than a lion. And I'm like, Wow. Let's go. What happened? The kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? It's the presence of God. God wants to do a whole lot more than just go to church. How many guys here have back pain right now? You have back pain right now. You have back pain. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Alright. Here's what we're going to do. The Lord wants to heal your back pain. Do we know that? Do we believe? Okay. Cool. Back pain is, you've been in that back pain for a while. That's right? 12, 13 years? Is that true? Wow. Long time. It's been debilitating. Why don't you ladies up there go ahead and put your hands on her back. She needs her back back so she can get her life back. Okay, and you guys are over here, go ahead. They're sitting down. Go ahead and put your hands on, on, their, on their back in an appropriate place there. Right? Right now. Okay, go ahead and we're, we're just gonna pray. Okay? Father, we thank you you're the healer. We release healing over their backs in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you that you're the healer. We release healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay, you guys right there, go ahead and just begin to move a little bit. Do something you couldn't do before. Just try something you couldn't do before. Something that would maybe normally hurt. And no, no, don't sit down. Go ahead. You guys can just move around a little bit and just and just move and just see how it feels. If it still hurts, then tell me. Don't, don't lie. Don't be nice to me. Tell me if it still hurts. Or if it feels a little bit better, tell me that too. Feels a little better? Like it hurt before and now it feels a little better? That's amazing. Like, okay, so what was your, so let me ask this, what was your pain a lot? Like, scale of 1 to 10, what was that? 5 or 6, now what's that? You don't feel it right now. So bend over and do something you couldn't do. Come on out here in the aisle and do something you couldn't do before. <laughs> it was hurting when you were sitting here. Wow, and now it doesn't hurt. Okay? So we'll go ahead and put your hand on her back. If you guys feel that way, 
So, so did, did you guys feel any pain decrease at all? No? It went up? Okay, we're breaking. <laughs> did you feel better at all? Same? Same? Okay, how about you? Same? Cool. Alright, I love this. We got honesty tonight. This is great. Okay, go ahead and pray again and just release the presence of God. Thank you, Lord, that we know it's your will to heal. We're not praying, Lord, if it be that will. That's not a legal prayer for somebody carrying a kingdom. Lord, we just declare right now, kingdom of God, will of God, healing will be done. In Jesus' name, that's your will. Kingdom of God, will of God be done. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay, go ahead and check it out. Test it out again.
results anyway, but he was prematurely born. And I was like, wow. I said, so uh, were you prematurely born? And he goes, I was four weeks prematurely born. I had to know that. And I said, the same spirit of God that knows your entire life lives inside of me and is revealing to you right now. He's real and he knows you. So right there, the kid prays and gives his life to Christ. He says to me, what you didn't know is when I was outside, during all your songs, he had no reference. He didn't understand Christianity at all. He said, I went outside and said, God, if you're real, I need a sign tonight. And I said, we well, didn't just get one sign. You got two signs. And he put his faith in Christ and invited the Lord into his life right there. So what is that? It's called himself to somebody who would never believe unless something supernatural happened. So that's why it, it, you're about to get activated tonight. Amen? All right. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to preach a word. Uh, it's going to light your wagon on fire. You guys ready? I'm going to go fast tonight because I know it's already late. And um, but I want to I want to activate you guys. Okay. Second Samuel chapter nine. I want to preach a message tonight right now. Right now. The title of this message is this. It was, this event is called Pursuit, right? And I believe, Sam, I believe that this thing is going to explode in raising thousands of people. How many of you guys want to believe with Sam? Come on, we have pursuit. Listen, I believe this thing is going to grow and raise thousands. Why? There are thousands of people in this area that don't even know God loves them because they don't even know what God is like. They're waiting for you to show up and reveal what the Father's like. Why? Your sons and daughters revealing the Father. So I believe God wants to grow this thing. Listen, Second Samuel chapter 9. How many of you guys know King David was an amazing man? He made some big mistakes too, but David is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. In other words, when you look at David in the Old Testament, he is a, he is a type of Jesus. He is like, when you look at David, he was, he's revealing the heart of the Father. So David becomes king in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Right? It was before that, actually. But after he's king, David now says, Is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Zillah. And they said, yeah, there's a guy named Mephibosheth. Everybody say, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, you thought you had a funny name. This is not Mephibosheth. I got about four hours out of here. I'm okay. And so they said, there's still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Everybody say, lame in his feet. So this John King said, where is he? So they went and found him. And lo, they barred the king. The king, king David sent and brought him out of the house of Micah, the son of Emiel and Lodibar. When Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. Now let me give you a little backstory on Mephibosheth. When Mephibosheth was about five years old, his grandpa and his dad, Saul and Jonathan, were off the battle against the Philistines. And when they were off the battle, the Bible declares that, or it reveals, those two men were killed at battle. The second they were killed at battle, word came back to the home where, where Mephibosheth was. And Mephibosheth's babysitter got up, grabbed Mephibosheth, and began to take off because they were afraid the Philistines were going to come and kill all them too. So they get up and take off running. And as they're running away, she accidentally drops him, like worst day ever, right? Drops Mephibosheth and breaks both of his feet, and he's now. He's now disabled for the rest of his life. He has club feet for the rest of his life. Now, the bad thing is about that in the Old Testament times is when something was physically wrong with you, that was actually a sign that 
throws himself at his feet, and he says, here is your servant. David says to him, do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. For I will surely show you the kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. You shall eat bread at my table continually. Seven, we say, my table continually. He says, you're going to eat with me, right? And then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that I should look upon, you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Wow, isn't that sad how he views himself there? And the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to his house, right? So then he goes through this scenario where David says, I'm going to restore everything to Saul's, I'm giving to Mephibosheth. Now here's what's fascinating about this. That David is a type of crisis scenario. Mephibosheth, right, was from a, pre a previous king in rulership. And in this situation here, uh, you know, usually the, the next king who gets installed kills all the previous king's family so that they don't rise up and take the throne. But not David. Instead, he restores him and he brings Mephibosheth to restore him. Isn't that powerful? It's a showing and revealing the heart of God. That when he was still lame, when he had a disformity about his life, right? He didn't cast him out. Have you, if you guys ever looked at yourself and said, there's just too much wrong with me? Anybody else ever said to me? You ever looked at yourself and just said, I'm just messed up? And you just felt shamed for it. Has you guys ever, have you guys ever battled with shame before? What does shame do? If you guys have all done something wrong and you felt guilt for it, like, dang, I did that. But shame is something that comes on you it doesn't make you feel wrong for doing something wrong. It makes you feel wrong just because it says you are wrong. And it quarantines you to the land of the curse where you just live with shame and just feel like I am just not worthy to be called a son of God. That's what shame does. That's what's happening to Mephibosheth. But David looks at it and says, you're going to eat like one of my sons at my table. And this was challenging his belief systems because he's like, no, don't you realize how unworthy I am? I'm a dead dog. And David's like, no, you're going to eat at my table like one of my sons. And he said it to him several times over and over again. You're going to eat at my table like one of my sons. You're going to be a son of mine. Over and over to the finish Now, I remember being in junior high school. And I remember just looking at myself and thinking, man, I don't like myself. I got zits. I'm small, and I don't really like me that much. And I felt ashamed for it. See, shame is killing this generation. Because the voice of shame wants to make you feel like you're less than, and there's nothing you can do to make yourself better. But you've got to recognize where shame is coming from. Shame is coming from a belief system. But if you've ever messed up, there's something wrong with you that God can't use your life. God can't accept you as you are. And you just view yourself like you're just no good. How many guys ever struggle with that? Come on, be honest. What else does shame do? Shame causes us to hide. All Mephibosheth is trying to do here is threw himself down on his feet. It's not like he came up to him like, hey, how you doing? He threw himself down. It's like, I'm just a dead dog. What was doing? I just want to hide. I'm so afraid. Of Don't look me in the eyes. What does shame do? Shame causes us to hide. Why am I talking? Why am I going from talking about the kingdom of God and supernatural to shame? Like, what are we doing here tonight? The bottom 
realize that the way you view yourself is the way you actually are in this world. Proverbs chapter, I think it's 27, it says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you guys know you're, you're God's beloved? Do you guys know that you're valuable to him? Why? Is, what's this have to do with the kingdom of God? Everything. Because the way that you encounter God, encounter God, you know, he's never going to shame you into the truth. Some of you guys have been shamed at school for not being good grades. Shamed by family members even sometimes for not being as good as your sibling. Shamed at different times for not measuring up. And I'm here to tell you tonight, many times our earthly experiences put a lens on our mind of how we view God. But God the Father will never, He's never done it once because it's not His nature to shame us into obedience. Am I talking to somebody tonight? He's not going to do that. He's a good father. Why? David looks at him and he says, you're going to eat at my table like my sons. Let me put it to you this way. Many times we come to God like, oh, father, if it's thy will, tolerate me. <laughs> God, coming before thee, sovereign Lord, don't strike me dead. You know what I did today. Why? Because we're ashamed of ourselves. My youth pastor's looking at me, so my hands are raised. <laughs> I'm 
You die and you're alive in Christ. 
You died to sin. You can't figure it out with your mind. It's the mystery of the gospel. That when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for your sin. He died as you in your place. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He died as you. What's your name? Alex. 2,000 years ago, Alex died as Christ. This is important to understand why. Because we come to God believing, I'm just a sinner. No. The sinner in you died. You're no longer. How many guys are born again in this place? Come on, somebody. Wait a minute. Jesus, fire in his eyes, sword in his hand, hair like, like 
walk around with sin all over the place. But listen, sin is afraid of you, and the devil is afraid of me. I'm not afraid of the devil, he's afraid of me. You guys with me tonight? How many guys are ready to let go of an old identity? You're not at a war with your you're at war with your flesh. You're not the bad guys leading you and the good guys in there's, there's not this tug of war going on inside of you, but you're just at war with your flesh. Your old man died with Christ. You're not at war. It's called a, there's a battle for your mind, and you've got to believe who God says you are. Amen? So that's what I want to do tonight. Everybody go ahead and stand. The worship team can come join me. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word that's alive. Thank you for truth. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. How many guys want more of God in your life? Come on, how many guys are ready to believe that God says you are? How many guys are ready to be the revival? We're praying for revival. God send revival. And the Lord's just waiting for us to realize who we are. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You know why we have the book of Acts? Because the apostles acted. They did something with they were. They weren't sitting around waiting for revival. They said, I'm going to go out and be revival. When you discover who you are, you are a son, you are a daughter, you are a love. Those thoughts telling you you're just a dirty old sinner, you're no good, there's nothing good in you, all that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The devil comes to still kill and destroy. Jesus is here to give you life more abundantly. It's a good day. Amen? If you're hearing this right now, and you say, you know what? I'm ready to let go of shame. I'm ready to let go of sin. I'm ready to let go of stuff and let God embrace me as a son, as a daughter, and begin to walk in who I am in the kingdom of God. I want to give my life to say, kingdom of God, possess me, flow through me, fill my life. I want more of God. I want to be revival in New Jersey. If that's you right now, I want to raise your hand. Just say, yes, that's me. Get out of your seat. Come down here. And just come up front as a response, as an act of faith to say, I'm leaving behind the old ways. I'm leaving behind the shame. I'm leaving behind the old identity. I'm leaving behind needing to get the opinions my friends met in my life before I get the opinion of God in my life. Come on, leave it all behind. Come on. Come on. This is we're taking a bold step to say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come on, come, Holy Spirit. God's about to touch people in this place. So good. Come on, you guys are a courageous generation. That's who you are. Sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, go ahead. Come on up here, guys. You guys are so great. Come on up here, guys. So courageous. Come on, give these guys a big hand. Come on, give yourself a hand.
listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.